Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Hello, everyone. Hope you're well. Welcome to episode 73 of the Mr. Money Jar Show. We will be talking today about um, uh, an article that came out um, earlier this morning about proposed a reduction to the student loan repayment threshold. What this basically means is that the amount of money that you have to earn to start paying back your student loan in this country um, is going to be brought down potentially, um, which may mean that students who uh, started uni um, from 2012 or onwards uh, may have to start paying their loans back sooner. And with some help uh, from my friend Carla Hopp, the founder of Rethink Tax, we'll be talking about the report, what we think, and what some of the impacts. So let me just get her added into the chat. Let's get this going. Hi, Carla. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Mr. Money Jar Show. Yeah. Um, do uh, introduce yourself to everyone and let us know a bit about what you do. Yeah, thanks. Um, so my name's Carla Hoppe. I'm the founder of Rethink Tax. And I basically started the platform as a way to help bridge the education gap around tax in the UK. So anything and everything you can think about tax, I'm talking about it and I'm helping people understand a little bit more about how it works and why it matters. That's awesome. And this is uh, uh, like uh, uh, almost a confession for me. I didn't realise it was hoppe. So it's a, it's a two syllable yeah, no problem. That's a, it's an unusual surname. So um, <laughs> it's, it's an easy mistake to make. It's no problem. Right, cool. Yeah. Um, no, thank you so much for joining today. I couldn't think of a better person to speak to um, as, as it relates to tax matters. Let's dive straight in. What's the story? What's been announced today? Yeah, so I think the story got broken first by the Financial Times that the government yep. is looking at changing the threshold at which students start repaying their student loans. Mm -hmm. At the moment, uh, if you take a student loan out to help pay for your time at university, you don't have to start repaying that loan until you earn over approximately £27,000. Yep. Um, and then after that, you pay a set amount back each month against your salary until either you've paid it off or if you haven't paid it off after 30 years, the debt gets wiped. So that's yeah. what we've got today. What the government's yeah. talking about doing is reducing that threshold to £23,000. And um, yeah, it, it, it might not sound like a big change, but this could have a massive impact for students that come out of university with a student loan in terms of their take-home pay, uh, which would be reduced sooner because they'll have to start paying this back earlier. 
and just what it means in the context of just managing in terms of everyday costs and living um, standards. So it, it is a potentially massive news story that's been broken. Yeah, and um, it's also worth saying that um, all the, the rates and thresholds that Carla's just mentioned apply to people who've taken up Plan 2 loans. So that's if you started uni in or after 2012. Um, yeah. And yeah, it just, it's just a proposal at the moment. So it's definitely not going to happen. But um, after the, uh, the, you know, the healthcare tax that was um, announced, was it last week or, or the week before? Yeah, it seems it's like now, only last week. It's very quick. <laughs> and now potentially this, it does look like people who are just getting started in their careers and are perhaps not earning so much are potentially going to be hit hardest by a chain such as this. Yeah, and I think that's the major concern with the news that's been talked about. So you're right, this is only a proposal at the moment. So the government is responding to a number of reviews that have been done by independent bodies into the state of student finance in the UK. And most everyone agrees um, all the experts that have looked at this think that something has to change in the way we operate student finance. And they, expensive. Think, it, they think that because of a few things, right? One is it's, it's very expensive to taxpayers. So, um, you know, it, it's great for students because they get that immediate upfront money to help them fund going to university. But in the long run, um, the numbers show that up to 80% of all people who take out a student loan don't repay their debt, which means it gets written off by the government and essentially means all taxpayers are funding that cost. So that's one reason. I think the yeah. other thing is that just um, there's there seems to be just a reflection at the minute on whether or not I guess for students and for business, whether everyone's getting value for money. So there's a lot of talk at the minute and it's probably a subject for another show as to is university right for everyone? Um, used to be the case that if you went to university, you want to come out with the expectation of getting much higher earnings that set you on a really strong path for your future. And I think that the reality for a lot of people is that they're coming out of university saddled with student debt and not necessarily being able to translate that into higher paid jobs down the line. So um, they're getting the downside risk of the finance that they've taken off without the upside benefit of higher earnings later. So the government's saying something needs to change and this is their proposal. Um, so yeah, really good points made there, Carla. I, I do think it's worth unpacking the, uh, is it worth going to university or at least for everyone type question and if you're if you're listening to this do feel free to chime in in the, in the comments as to whether you think university is for everyone or whether there are different paths into the workshops uh, into into the workforce um one of the reasons given by the government to reduce this threshold and therefore claw back i think two billion pounds is is how much they think mm -hmm. they could recoup by reducing this Jenny, uh, Jenny LH says, love that you both have bookshelf backgrounds. <laughs> it's just the standard lockdown background. I was going to say, yeah, it's, the, it's <laughs> the standard Zoom background, right? <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. so the, the two, um, they're saying that they can 
get back £2 billion by lowering the threshold. But one of the main reasons cited in that FT article is that they also want to focus on um, people building technical skills and vocational skills as well. So, like, do you do you have a view on that? Like, university versus, say, apprenticeships or other type of um, vocational routes into the workforce? Yeah, but, like, I mean, I think this is um, probably for people who know more about economics than me, but I, I kind of think that people should be free to make a choice that works best for them. So I don't think we should be telling people they can or they cannot either go to university or have to choose a vocational course. So I think you should have your choices. I think the question of the affordability of the choices is kind of where I think we're feeling the pinch now between what government is saying they can afford and then what, I don't know, maybe what individuals feel they want to do. I, I mean, I think there's pros and cons to both routes, right? University can be a fantastic experience for people, not just from the perspective of getting that degree so you get higher earnings. It's so much to take from just being at university. And I know you, you were saying this before we briefly chatted, just like learning how to live by yourself, learning how to stand yeah. on your own two feet. That, that's invaluable in terms of life skills and life lessons. I think, you know, vocational courses have a really valuable role to play in terms of helping people get into the workforce. And something I've been thinking about since this story broke is, you know, if everything, if the government really thinks that the system isn't working to help plug the gap with critical or key skills in the economy so we, we know we've got a lack of nurses we've got lack of care workers um hgv drivers you know we've been hearing all the stories in the last few weeks but if that is a problem that we're trying to address i'm not sure that by making student finance less attractive we're necessarily going to see people jump into those roles right mm -hmm. and actually in years gone by, like when my parents were thinking about, well, my dad went to university, my mum my did briefly, but um, when they were thinking about university, at that stage, there were grants available for people to go into those types of work. Um, you know, nurses used to get housing when they were training. There used to be much more given to um, people to kind of encourage them to take up those roles. And those have all been taken away over the years. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure that this proposal fixes the problem or the question about vocation versus university. Um, but uh, I think it, what it will do is it will make life uh, potentially a lot more painful for those having to deal with the repayments um, and the cost of the repayments. And and I think if it applies to them, if it comes through. Um, Mr. Jethua said in the comments, uni just opens the first door, then after that, if the company on your CV is the next step. That's certainly been um, my experience. And that was kind of the narrative that I was brought up with. I think there's a few things to unpack here. I think that um, like higher education in whatever form is a valuable thing. Like I'm a big believer in the fact that your education should just finish at school and you should continue to learn over the course of your life. I do think that there should be different forms of education. It should be like tailored to the person. 
So um, maybe a more vocational route um, or, so, or something like an apprenticeship would apply to one type of person versus a university degree. I don't think I was necessarily best suited for university, even though I went, I did my kind of four year course. Um, and I'm not actually studying, I studied law at uni and I'm not actually like even working in, in that field anymore. Um, but there does seem to be a bit of an either raw type um, almost vibe coming from the announcement, which is that we must take away from the uni side of things to put into the uh, the vocational side of things. And I, I don't see why it can't be both. Like, why, why can't we support both types of um, student? Yeah, and like, I think that the other thing that's driving this announcement is just um, a lot of pressure being put on uh, the Chancellor Rishi Sunak and those in government to show that they are um, tightening up the ship, let's put it that way, right? They, they want to show that they're taking these actions to put us on a correction course where the national finances are in good health because we've had you know um a lot of rocky years in the last few years and that's not been helped by covid so they're they're going to be seen to want to do something so the, go the government is gearing up for the budget announcement which will happen on the 27th of october and that's why we're starting to see these leaks about different government proposals um, that might yeah, come, like come in yeah yeah that and makes it's sense. Worth, worth maybe just me saying that it is only a proposal at this stage, but um, I think it's important for people to be aware of the fact that the government doesn't have to take this proposal back to Parliament to make it come into force. There is uh, regulations granted to the government through secondary legislation, that's the term that's used, which means that the government could, if they chose to, enact these changes without it going to a full parliamentary debate. So um, I, I guess what that could mean in practice is that the, the announcement could be made and we could see that this change, if it does go ahead, comes into effect very quickly. Um, so that's just something people can maybe be mindful of as they kind of continue watching this story. Yeah. Um... We also, um, when we were catching up about this before, Carla, we were talking about maybe other interventions that could be taken. Um, so one of the things that's mentioned in the FT article is the fact that, that there could be a cap on tuition fees um, down to, I think it was seven, seven and a half grand, but you don't necessarily think that would help either, do you? Yeah, well, maybe just let's, um, let's just pause on what is the impact of the current announcement for people? So I think it's worth just reminding people that if you have to start repaying your student loan at a lower threshold, for most people, that means that they will actually have, you know, student loan is a little bit of a weird term for what we're talking about here. Um, you need to think about it in the sense of like the sacrifice of your salary that takes place. So when you start having to repay your loan, there is a standard amount of 9% of your salary that is taken out as student loan repayments. And you have to keep paying that 9% until either you've paid off the loan or 30 years have passed years. and the rest have been written off. What that equates to is what people often call a graduate tax. This is 
basically like saying to graduates, you are going to be taxed at a higher rate than anyone else is on your income because you've got income tax, you've got national insurance, and you've got these repayments, which is an extra 9%. So for a lot of people, this just means more tax and less take-home pay for them for a long period of time. Because if you're on a lower income uh, job or middle income job, you're going to be paying that off for a very long time and basically seeing that your wages don't go up, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I also thought it might be worth mentioning, Carla, that the the balance, so the amount that you have to pay back, also gets yeah. interest to it. So um, I don't know, if, if, for the people listening, if you ever check your student um, finance uh, account or if you get the statements in the post, my last statement, even though I'd been paying it off, paying it off, the balance actually went up. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's what makes it continue over a time span like 30 years because the balance actually increases over time. Yeah, and it's Instead. worth pointing out that the interest rate on student loans at the minute is far in excess of what government borrowing loan interests are. So the government is actually making money off student loans uh, because the interest rate, I think the interest rate is like 4.2% on a student loan today, whereas like national rates in some instances are negative interest rates, yeah. uh, not positive interest rates. Um, so, so I think that's important to say. I think in the context of what what then could be done differently, or what might else happen in the context of these uh, proposals. So, there's a couple of things. If you lower the threshold, um, I think it's clear that those on the lowest income will be hit the hardest because, again, they will have to pay sooner and continue to pay for as long as it will take them to to clear their loans. If we look also see tuition fees lowered so at the moment they're about nine thousand pounds if there's a cap put on tuition fees at seven and a half thousand pounds which is another thing the government are looking at I, I mean i think there's a couple of things to just mention i think at the headline you might hear that and think yeah that's a great thing less tuition fees that's a positive thing for young people and I think, yes, it could be, but in the long run, when you're talking about repaying the amount of money that you have to borrow in order to attend university, the only people that are going to be better off as a result of less tuition fees are going to be those graduates that go into higher income earning jobs because they'll be able to pay off what is a lower total sum sooner. For those that are on lower income earnings or middle income earnings, they'll still be paying off their graduate tax for as long as it takes them. Yes, they might have a little bit less overall, but it's not going to impact their sort of everyday experience in terms of their take home pay. So I think that headline can be a bit misleading in terms of what it will actually mean in practice for people. And, and then I think personally, the other thing I, I have concerns about is if the government lowers tuition fees but doesn't put any other money into universities then there's a risk that everybody loses out because universities don't have the funds to continue providing quality content on courses and I think it will depend on what university you're going to some universities have a lot of money so they'll be able to just keep going others won't so it will be a bit of a postcode lottery as to 
where you are and what your university can afford to continue doing if they're getting less in tuition fees. So that would be another concern I'd have with it. Travel with uh, Chester Ling has left a comment um, so that we can see the effects of the planned proposal. Um, do, um, if you're still with us, travel with Chester Ling. Uh, do feel free to like clarify that question. Um, I think I can tell what you're asking, but do um, yeah, send us another comment. Ryan Matthew says, do people who've already taken student loans based on the old contracts, so the planned ones, still have to pay at a lower threshold? Um, to my knowledge, all the information we're talking about today relates to plan two. Yeah, and that, it's a great question, though, because I think there are some concerns about the government making the changes retrospective, which means it applies to people who aren't just current student loan holders, but previous student loan holders. So the debate or the, the, the watch point will be, does it only go back to 2012, in which case we're talking about the plan two, or do they try and do something else on top of that? Um, there's no suggestion at the moment they'll go beyond 2012, but we just need to wait and see where this goes. All right. Um, thank you, Carla. I think uh, we've talked about the proposed changes. We've talked about how they might impact people. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and if we're being honest, it's a bit doom and gloomy. So I wonder if we could round off the conversation before we go into the uh, rapid fire questions. Um, <laughs> on like, yeah, just practical things people can do. Like ta the government will raise taxes, they'll lower taxes. Um, yeah. These, these are things that we don't necessarily have immediate control over, but if you're a student who's studying now, or if you've just started working, what practical steps can you take to uh, um, yeah. manage take home pay, to increase your income, to, uh, you know, to affect policy so that you get ch changes in the rules that actually benefit you? Yeah, great question. So I guess let me take a couple of different things in turn. So what could you huh? do to get involved to kind of make sure your voice is heard as part of any proposed changes now? Well, I think there's probably a few things you could do. Um, one, I love it that people might not necessarily be in, um, in the best practice of doing this but you can contact your MP your local MP is there to represent you if you care about this subject write to your local MP if you don't know who your MP is go on the government website to the find my MP page and you'll be able to look them up um, the other thing you can do is contact the National Union of Students. The NUS has come out today very strongly opposed to these proposals. So they will be canvassing yeah. opinions for students on what this would mean for them in practice. And then I think, you know, if you want to know a little bit more about how this could all work and, you know, how it shakes out, a couple of other resources that I'd mention. Um, uh, there will be, um, so if you search on YouTube for Martin Lewis Student Loans, um, the money saving expert has done a great video um, giving his two cents on this proposal. And I know he's a big champion for students um, around student finance and how they work. So he'll be closely following this. Um, the other place I would recommend going is um, look at what's called the IFS, the Institute for Fiscal Studies. They have done a report on the proposed changes and they've created a calculator where you can go 
on and basically plug in some details and see what could the proposals mean for you in terms of um, your take-home pay and your sort of budget at the end of the month if you're having to make these repayments. So that Mm -hmm. could be a useful place for people just to get a bit more clarity. Um, And yeah, I I think those would be my top tips right now. Yeah, um, we also had a question again from Ryan Matthew saying, so people who've taken out the loan after 2012 are still subject to student loan contract change. Yes, it is is, um, the proposed to be retroactive. Was there a clause that lets them change repaying rules? Well, the thing is, Ryan, the uh, threshold um, changes I'm not sure if it's changed every year since it was introduced in in 2012, but these thresholds change all the time. So um, it was increased to 27,295 in this tax year. It was lower last year. So um, do go on. Well, I was going to say, this is a really interesting point and it's probably a bit technical for this discussion, but I'd recommend watching the Martin Lewis uh, YouTube because he talks about this in quite a bit of detail. But I think there's a couple of things to be aware of. The threshold changes in line with inflation. So there is an automatic sort of incremental increase of the threshold to match the fact that inflation will amend um, just the standard living living um, costs anyway. Um And the other thing to say is that um, the government's uh, lending position is different from a lot of other lenders. So when we talk about student loan, it's a bit of a, it's a weird terminology to use. The government is not held to the same standards as any other financially regulated loan provider. So they do have more flexibility in terms of making amendments to the contracts, which is the reason why they may be able to make this retrospective. I would say that people like Martin Lewis are already being very vocal about their opposition to a retrospective change. So none of this is set in stone. Um, It's just one of a number of things that they're talking about doing. Thank you so much, Carla. Um, I think good point to uh, head on to the uh, rapid fire questions. Just a few questions (laughs) that we'd like guests on the show. So the first is, what has been your biggest financial achievement to date? Oh, well, you see, I actually think that my biggest financial achievement was paying off all my loans. So I had a student loan and I took out a personal loan for my postgraduate law degree. So actually paying that off was one of the biggest things I did. So I'd say that's my biggest achievement. Yeah, congrats. Um, (laughs) Where did you study? So I went to King's. I did a four-year course there. And then I went to the uh, College of Law in London. So, yeah. Um, but it was it was great. I loved it. Um, but I had an awful lot of student debt by the end of it. So <laughs> paying that off was a big, big achievement. Awesome stuff. Um, Ryan's come back again. Okay, thanks. I see the government are allowed to amend contracts. That seems uh, anti, an, anti-typical to the notion of contracts. Um, yeah I think yeah. I, to be honest I think one of the things I have a big question mark over is how many of us students who signed up to student loans ever read the fine print of our contracts I personally true. don't think I ever did so I'm not I don't know the specifics of every person's contract but I'm I'm guessing there must be language in there that makes it so that the government has this flexibility otherwise they wouldn't they wouldn't talk about it right yeah it's not just student loans that's not you know, um, a kind of a comment on 
on students because I, I just think about like the amount of products and services we yeah. use like generally like all the websites we use have terms and conditions on use a piece of so, uh, piece of software or have like an end license use a user agreement and you just kind of scroll through and click yeah. it. So I do think yeah. there is a wider problem to be solved around contracts and understanding them. That's yeah. That's a conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> what one piece of money advice would you have given to yourself 10 years ago? Um, don't let your spending increase in line with your uh, changes to salary. Um, salary. I was to have a graduate job where my pay did go up every now and again. And unfortunately, I, 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 I had a great time, right? I, I had a really brilliant, fun few years, but um, probably wasn't the best thing for me to be doing in terms of my long-term financial future. <laughs> um, but yeah, you... Uh... I'm, I'm guessing that you have a, that you now take that advice now? I, I do. I try very much to not sort of let any, any extras just go straight out the door on, on, on things that I particularly want in the moment. Like I, it's okay to spurge every now and again. I definitely do that. But I try to have a practice where any extras go into the investment bucket instead. So yeah, I'm getting better at it. Still not perfect, but getting better. <laughs> That's cool. Um, if you were to win the lottery, let's say you were to win 10 million pounds, how would you allocate that money? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Um, I have to say, I, I don't know. I think I'd have to go on a pretty amazing holiday for starters. I think I'd probably want to sort out my family and make sure they were all set up for, you know, a house, the things they need, just put them on like a good financial footing. Myself, um, I definitely talked to a friend of mine who actually used to be a lawyer who advised people who won the lottery because um, she would help them make all kinds of sensible investment decisions. And I see my sister is commenting on this now um, saying she can't wait, haha, ha, I know. She's looking oh, that's your sister. She's looking forward to me uh, winning the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining great to see you um what are your long-term money goals carla oh um do you know i think the words financial freedom means something different to everyone but for me i think it would be the ability to be able to make choices about when and how I work. I love working and I don't think I'd ever want to fully give it up in any capacity, but I'd love to be able to have the freedom to choose how I spend my time. Um, and I definitely, definitely need to uh, have a rainy day fund or a, an investment portfolio that's bigger than it is today, but that's, that's the goal. <laughs> awesome. And uh, final question is, what does success mean to you? Being happy. Um, I think being happy with the thing that you do every day, or maybe not happy every day, but waking up knowing that you're doing the thing you're, you're meant to do, that's, that's success for me. But yeah, yeah and I'm very lucky because I'm starting to get there. <laughs> Completely aligned. Um, yeah, so quite a technical topic on the show today. So thank you for coming on and uh, showing your expertise and and giving up the time to do so. Um, no problem. Before we wrap up, uh, is there anything you want to plug or anyone you want to shout out? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd just say, like, if you are interested to know more on this topic, I'll definitely be posting uh, more information as the proposals get released. I cover the budget and lots of other government announcements pretty regularly. So if you don't already follow me, take a look on at rethink underscore tax um, and you'll see lots more content over there. So thank you. Yeah, and make sure that you follow Carla, not just on Instagram, but on um, her Twitter page as well, the Rethink Tax Twitter page. It's Thanks. awesome. Um, yeah, that brings us to the end of uh, today's uh, show. Um, sorry to Ryan, I see Ryan's asking more questions. Um, Ryan, do feel I, talk, I talk about this topic on a podcast of mine that's just been released. So if you want to head over and look at my podcast, you'll find some answers to your question. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on the, the show, Carla. Um, always great to speak to you. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today and for all your comments and your questions. We will be back at the same time next week with another special guest. So until then, do take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Tilly. Bye.